Warning, this episode contains references to at least six different bodily excretions. Today's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Wife Lock Burkar Alarms. Are you a female in the path of armed Muslim zealots hell-bent on a worldwide Islamic theocracy? Well, our fully armored burkas will keep you safe from forced marriages and or crucifixions with options ranging from high infidelity alarms to 10,000 volt electric currents. So protect your vices with the nicest ISIS crisis devices on the market with Wife Lock. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, this is James from the Unbearable Podcast, reminding you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy bear men. Wait, no, monkey men. We evolved from filthy monkey men. Actually, my closet is the only place you can find an abundance of bear men. September 4th. <laughs> and I have nothing to say now, I guess. <laughs> Almost burnt. <laughs> He's New Illusions, I'm Heath Enright, and from the city that never sleeps, New York, New York. And the one that never wakes up, Podunk, Georgia, this is the Scathing Atheist. On <laughs> uh, this week's episode, we distract ourselves podcasting when we should be making last-minute roster moves. I'll learn that I was working harder than I had to to get kicked out of that city council meeting in Florida. And Thomas Smith joins us to discuss what it's like to be ungoogleable. But first, the diatribe. You know, I'm considered a bit in your face by the standards of atheism. I'm a little more likely than most to jump into the public debate, and I'm a little less likely to construct my points in an ecumenical, polite, apologetic way. And it seems like the older I get, and the more time I spend perusing religious news items for this show, the more cynical and vocal my disbelief becomes. But no matter how virulent I get, I cannot possibly imagine the following scenario. My wife comes home from the grocery store. She says, you remember Carol, so-and-so's ex-wife? I ran her into her at the store, and she told me she'd been saved and found Jesus. And I say, what? Complete with the audible and bang, and grab my shoes and a copy of the God Delusion, scoop up the car keys, and say, come on, honey, we're going to save them from their ignorance. Cannot imagine that. I cannot imagine myself, or any other atheist for that matter, doing that. But I'm willing to bet that you've already figured out that it does and did happen going the other way. Now, Lucinda isn't quite as vocal about this stuff as I am. So when she ran into some old friend from high school at the store, it didn't come up right away. It's just that the friend just kept inviting her to church over and over again. So after like the fourth or fifth time, finally, she dropped the A word. Now, apparently this elicited a gasp and a hasty retreat. My wife tells me about it later on that day, and we have a little fun joke around about it. But apparently at her old friend's house that night, uh, this was no laughing matter. We found that out when said friend called us up that evening. Her and her husband, we'll call them Mary and Joseph, had discussed the peril that our immortal souls are in over dinner, and if it'd be okay, they'd like to come by and talk with us about our Lord and Savior, baby Jesus. Now, Lucinda's got the phone to her ear. She's just sort of looking at me with, like, with this what-the-fuck-do-I-say expression. So I shrugged, I nodded, I said, you know what, tell them, tell them to come by. So 40 minutes in a babysitter later, they're pulling into our driveway with Bibles in hand on a mission to save our souls. 
Now, these are two people we had not seen in more than a decade, and in, in the interim, they'd made a commendable effort to get fat and pious. So we shake hands, take, you know, look at the pictures of their kids and stuff. My wife offers them some tea because this is Georgia, and that's what you do here. And after a brief and unsuccessful attempt to get their permission to record and later broadcast the proceedings, we got down to the business of soul-saving. He pulled out his Bible, and then there was this awkward and extremely satisfying moment where I pull out my Bible, and it's way bigger and girthier than his. But undeterred, he launches into his two-part apologetic. So, of course, I was expecting the same boring shit I always get, right? Pascal's wager, irreducible complexity, maybe the what-about-trees defense. But what I actually got was so pathetic, I almost felt sorry for Jesus. He started off with this, uh, you know, have you heard about this Christ fella approach where he just you know, asserts that some apocalyptic zombie carpenter died for my sins. He got so frustrated with my refusal to accept unevidenced biblical claims as fact, and I could tell that the baby Jesus died a little bit every time I asked him how he knew the Muslims were wrong. So he hastily moved on to phase two of his strategy, which I can best describe as the Sam I Am gambit. You know, he he asked me, when's the last time you've been to church? And my first answer is, way more recently than your last trip to the mosque. But when he pressed me, I had to say it was, you know, probably about 10 years. And, of course, that explained everything. I'd just been away from the Lord for too long. All it would take would be a quick Sunday service at his church, and I'd change my mind about the whole nature of epistemology thing. After all, I may have had green eggs and ham before, but not with a goat. Now, somehow it failed to register with him that this whole thing actually started with my wife turning down repeated invitations to their fucking church, and thus when I once again declined, he was flabbergasted. He went on the offensive and asked, are you afraid to go to church? He was as condescending as you can possibly imagine. I believe his exact words were, and I want to get this right, I can understand why you would be afraid to accept Jesus into your heart, but he'll forgive anything you've done. Now, before I tell you exactly how I answered, I think it's worth stopping to mention that I have absolutely no social barometer. As you may have noticed listening to this show, I have no real sense of where far crosses into too far. But in this instance, the, the look on my wife's face and the icy gasp from our guests was all I needed to know that I had passed that boundary at a full gallop. I may have also inadvertently discovered the record holding fastest way to end a religious debate. I simply asked him, how many dicks did you have to suck before you knew you weren't gay? Now, as he and his wife huffed their way out of the door, threatening to pray for us when they got home, it was clear that he was not going to answer, and I'll do him the favor of not speculating that it was because the answer was non-zero. It was probably honestly that you just don't say the dirty word that starts with a D and ends with a urethra when you're talking about God. But still, I think it's a valid question. You know, I don't need to hear your pastor before I reject him. I don't need to try out your church before I call it bullshit. I don't need to read your holy book or even know anything about your religion. If it's a religion, I already know all I need to know. If you come to me with faith and then get pissed off when I ask for evidence, we don't need to go any further than that. You know, maybe somewhere out there there's a real Nigerian prince who just can't figure out why the fuck nobody will help him move his vast fortune, but I'm not going to be the one that finds that out. They're talking about your Jesus. Interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is co-host of The Scathing Atheist, Heath Enright. Heath, are you ready to co-host? 
What am I, a tracer? Why, why am I the co-host? How, how do you know you're not my co-host? Well, I, I am. We're co-hosts. You're a co-host. You're the one who... Moving on, in our lead story tonight, in This Guy Would Sue His Own Mother News, America's Got Frivolity finalist Larry Klayman is suing President Obama, as well as Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, and U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon for conspiring to launder money for Hamas terrorist activity against Israel. Of course he is. That's right. This is the same Larry Klayman that we covered last October during the government shutdown for his unsuccessful non-violent White House coup of 120 people, the same guy that sued Obama for being half Kenyan gazelle in 2012, and the same guy that very literally sued his own mother in 1998 for $50,000. That happened. We should all sue his mother. Asshole. So, yeah, like, it should be a fucking class action national lawsuit for failure to abort. It's one thing to devote websites with flashing text to this kind of shit, but legal proceedings, really, again? (laughs) Right, so the upcoming case, which legal scholars are already describing as dismissed, will seek $1.5 billion in damages. Sure. Payable to Clayman and John (laughs) Doe, I guess. (laughs) And they'll give it to Israel to buy more rockets to blow up all the rockets we bought for... It's it's not clear who exactly ends up getting the $1.5 billion, but that's how much exactly is needed to fix this whole Islam problem for Israel, according to his sophisticated calculations. <laughs> right. Should do it. You know, I'm no legal scholar, but I'm guessing the who would get the money question isn't really going to have to get solved. <laughs> okay, so according to Clayman, quote, The nation and the world have increasingly come to see that Obama views himself primarily as a Muslim and acts accordingly in favoring Islamic interests over Judeo-Christian ones, end quote. First of all, I don't hear too many Baptist preachers talking about how America is a Jewish and Christian nation. It's a Judeo-Christian. Right. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> their interests are aligned somehow. More importantly, Obama just can't win with these guys. I mean, you kill terrorists with drones, torture them at Gitmo, they complain. You launder a couple billion for Hamas, they still complain. Like, how do you... Supposed to do. Man's gotten to the point where a brother can't nefariously manipulate world affairs through corporate logos and secret messages on currency without the white man holding him down. Damn. Unbelievable. Now, Clinton's allegations even went so far as to accuse Obama of being, quote, a threat to the continued existence of Israel, end quote. Because why not? Now, maybe, maybe I'm just crazy, but I could swear that it was the... The being geographically congruent with Palestine right. thing that was threatening the continued Exactly. Did Obama erase Palestine? Was that him? That did? Yeah, but it was a half-ass erasure. You can still tell where the buildings used to be and everything. And in our Name is Allegiance news tonight, we turn to the lovely little hamlet of Winter Garden, Florida, which rests just south of Winter Springs, just north of Winter Haven, just west of Winter Park, and just east of... Claremont, where we learn that those rights are a little more alienable than the framers would have you believe. An unnamed member of the Central Florida Free Thought community found that out the hard way last week when he was removed from a city council meeting for not standing during the Pledge of Allegiance. Seriously? Yeah. Excuse me, sir. Sir, if you continue to remain seated silently, this panel will have no other option than to take it as a sign of aggression. (laughs) Oh, he's aggressive. He's aggressive. Get him. Stand your ground, Floridian (laughs) sailor. 
It's not sit your ground, motherfucker. Now, Mayor John Reese was the man chiefly responsible for this constitutional wedgie, singling out the flagrant non-stander twice during the opening of the meeting. First, when he invited the wrath of Jesus by remaining seated through the opening prayer, and again when he danced on the graves of our fallen soldiers by not standing at attention during the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, it was obviously intentional. After explaining that this made him unpatriotic scum and that, quote, it's just not fair to our troops and people overseas, end quote. Reese ordered that the man be escorted out of the building while all the real Americans got to the important business of violating the foundational principles of our nation. Yeah, how are we going to expect our soldiers to effectively colonialize brown people without fascist <laughs> rituals right. being adhered to? 100%. <laughs> this is SEAL Team 6. This is SEAL Team 6. We've located Bin Laden. Can you get that guy in Florida to stand the fuck up so we can kill this guy already? <laughs> And somebody get a selfie of this, so we know we're gonna look like idiots if nobody takes a picture of this. <laughs> right. Somebody snap it. Now, within days of the incident, the FFRF had sent a letter to Reese explaining that Mayor of Orlando's RV lot doesn't bestow any kind of super <laughs> constitutional sovereignty, and that, like it or not, he can't make no. people stand while he swears fealty to a piece of cloth. Do so, it. hopefully, that's all it'll take this time. We'll keep you posted. <laughs> And in walking stick feminism news, nonagenarian Christian conservative activist Phyllis Schlafly suggested on her regular radio address that women could put an end to all this domestic violence and sexual assault stuff if they would just stop getting distracted with gainful employment and get married as soon as their womb is ready, like they're supposed to. Because, you know, who needs money when your husband can beat up all your future rapists right. for you? That's a perfect solution. Certainly the first thing my wife and I did when, when we got married, we worked out sort of a you know, a rape bat signal slash teleportation device that she could use at the first sign of a rapist. I, you know, I'll admit it's, it's damn inconvenient when it turns out to just be regular Mexicans, but better safe than sorry. <laughs> now, rather than point out the obvious biblical mandates about female servitude, she noted that marriage provides, quote, indirect protection for wives because... Married women and their children tend to live in safer neighborhoods, end quote. So, but it's... Sing, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so single mother rape victims with no money, they should probably just go ahead and get hitched already so they can right. become statistically more likely to live somewhere a lot nicer than they do. Their current Fixing problems must be so easy when you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, look, if all the people nice. in the high crime neighborhoods moved to low crime neighborhoods, there wouldn't be crime. If we get rid of all the tall people. Just move the tear-crossing sign closer to the crosswalk. Everything be okay. <laughs> Schlafly also made sure to address the underlying cause of the problem, too, which, which is, of course, that single men are rapists. She okay. claims, quote, marriage settles men down, end quote. So until that happens, we're all a bunch of sexually violent lunatics, and women need to make the streets safer by marrying the rapist out right. of all of us. That's... Her actual plan. So, you hear that, ladies? If, you're, if your boyfriend beats you, the best thing you can do is marry him so he'll stop being violent. Right. Don't it's the, it's the rental car that. school of rape. <laughs> you know? Essentially, man, it's a lot less likely to abuse things that have a clear owner, right. like his car or another person's wife or his wife. But he's not going to lube up a rental. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 
Wow. Come on. And from the sparkly vampire of the idols file, Ohio Pastor Philip Missick is on a mission to remove all the preteen vampire dry hump porn from local libraries, and not because <laughs> Stephanie Meyer's success is an insult to all the real authors. Although it clearly is. Missick has started a petition to remove all the books he deems occult and demonic, saying, quote, This is dark. There's a sexual element. You have creatures that aren't human, end quote, <laughs> without realizing that he just described all of literature. Like, there is no yeah, exactly. book about which you can't say those three things. This is insane. Arcing ropes of character development, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, <laughs> mass hysteria. It's disgusting. Representatives of the Cleveland Library System point out that the city council has adopted an ordinance known as the Library Bill of Rights, which is basically a preemptive really fuck to off that. to any pastor or reverend who brings pitchforks and torches to the Harry Potter section, which apparently <laughs> happened so often they had to actually make a Bill of Rights about it. Wow. Read a Bradbury book, idiots. And in Shouldn't Bizarro Christianity Be the Opposite of Stupid News? Self-proclaimed Prince of Darkness and Eddie Furlong Terminator 2 body double Eric Mineral was arrested last week in Arizona for trying to curse the Christians by burning a Bible on church property and then urinating on it. Although, evidence suggests Beezlebub wasn't quite smart enough to do that in the right order. Right. <laughs> First try, <laughs> they showed up so. smoldering urine smell. <laughs> So uh, when when blogger and friend of the show Hammond Meta contacted the church afterward to see if the secular community could help with the cleanup or whatever, the priest admitted that the alleged minion of the desolate one couldn't actually set the fire because he'd already pissed on the Bible. He figured, you know, I'm satanic. I probably pissed kerosene. This would just go right up. He probably had like a whole feces and blood thing planned out, but then, you know, he got poop scooped by that Egyptian lady at the last second, <laughs> had to settle on your hackneyed old urination, arson, anti-Jesus curse, <laughs> Shit, shit, arson, urination, arson, urination. Right. get Such it right. <laughs> even wrote it down here on my, oh, shit. So, so, so it's probably for the better that this guy had to scale back his plan a little. He's clearly not equipped to no. do anything complex. He would have ended up on some rectory porch, ringing the doorbell, his face smeared in blood, his foot in a bag of shit, his leg on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse, some weird priest opens the door and says, you're early. Come on. <laughs> oh, shit. I'll clean up fast. <laughs> and since the legal system in Arizona is insane, Minero wasn't detained for trespassing or arson or having his dick out on somebody's front lawn, but instead for unlawful symbol burning. Right. Which is, is something that? that exists there. Because the symbolic nature of the act was clearly the most hyenas aspect of the crime. And just for the record, this crime, unlawful symbol burning, is defined as, quote, burning a symbol on someone else's property without their permission and with the intent to intimidate others, end quote. Okay. Which, it's a weird law for Arizona, no? I mean, it seems to conflict with the Venerated absorbances of a certain <laughs> Christian secret society. They have a few chapters over there, I'm just saying. And a governor. And in <laughs> slow motion news tonight, we turn to Mexico's Mexico, Guatemala, where an ultra-Orthodox sect of child-abusing Jews has been asked to get the fuck out of town, prompting a statement from representatives of Dodge, preemptively explaining that they can't go there either. Leaders of the group claim the move was motivated by anti-Semitism, though locals insist that their anti-Semitism is limited to the type of Jews that beat their children, abuse the indigenous population, hit their wives, and force marry nominally pubescent girls. You see. So, so really only the practicing Jews. They're oh, not going to be assholes. 
in their defense, though, all that stuff is in the Old Testament. But, mm-hmm. you know, then again, in Guatemala's defense, it's not really the reasoning behind the child sex abuse right. issue, is it? <laughs> exactly. It, yeah, I fucked that 12-year-old, but hear me out. Hear me out. No, nope, nope. <laughs> right. Not let, We're let him finish. Absolutely not. <laughs> not letting him finish. Hard pass. Hard pass. Deport. Now, the Lev Tahor sect, I think that is, is how you pronounce it, is no stranger to getting kicked out of countries. After serving two years in a U.S. prison for kidnapping, their leader, Rabbi Shlomo Helbrins, was deported to Israel, fled to Canada, earned refugee status. Then the Canadians realized that some Jews give you all kind of non-racist reasons to hate them. So after the Canadian officials began investigating Shlomo and his cult for child abuse, the group fled to Guatemala, where I'm sure they changed their evil ways and are now just the innocent victims of bigotry. Obviously a big misunderstanding. Yeah. And in maybe a gringo ate your baby news. <laughs> 77-year-old Catholic priest Father Joannin of Santiago, Chile, was recently ordered by a judge to stay in the country pending a legal investigation that, to the father's credit, does not involve sexual abuse. So that's Well, no, but it's not good. But still shockingly horrible stuff. Yes, Yes. exactly. He's implicated, along with several other doctors and clerics, in multiple instances of stealing a baby from an unwed mother, selling the kid to a married couple, and faking a miscarriage death to tie off all the loose cords. Oh. Just to review, yes, rather than allow single mothers to exist, these faith-driven sociopaths opted instead for black market infant smuggling and faking a dead baby funeral. Yeah. They did that on Fucking, multiple times. Multiple and, instances. And, and, and yet, this isn't even going to make the top five of the worst thing a Catholic priest did chart for 2014, right? Uh, now, in response to the allegations, the archdiocese presiding over Joannin's church launched its own investigation and discovered evidence that the father was indeed involved in at least two, quote, irregular adoptions, end quote. They were, they were willing to admit awfully irregular nice. adoptions. What do they mean by irregular? Great question. <laughs> they mean irregular in the sense that it's not so much an adoption as conspiracy kidnapping. Right. Also, irregular was the fact that the biological mother was roofied during delivery and then told her child spontaneously vaporized to death. Otherwise, though, <laughs> it's your typical highly regular right. adoption. That was well, the I, only I, weird I part. can get you a Chilean baby with nail polish. There are ways, dude. Do not want to know how, but there are ways. <laughs> and not quite finally tonight, we've got a story with such a frothy mixture of lube and bullshit that we had to call in an expert in such matters. Thomas Smith hosts Atheistically <laughs> Speaking and Thomas in the Bible, and he now owns the distinction of the second most often recurring guest on the scathing atheist. Thomas, welcome back to Indeed. the show. Fuck yes. That sounds awesome. You're creeping up on Eli Bosnick. I'm so glad that we could get you on quick while your fantasy team is oh, at or above 500. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I'm ooh, kidding. I'm heart. kidding. Ow. Of course, I'm sure that the oh, God, non-peer that Thomas parts of the New Orleans backfield will turn out well for you. And, and Tony <laughs> Romo, that dude is going to be really moderately effective this year. Anyway. I can't, I can't imagine oh, him God. making a big fumble at, at a terrible time. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't worry. How am I supposed to do this show? I'm like crumbled in the corner of my room now from all these freaking <laughs> fantasy hits. I can't even take it. All right, all right. We'll move on to something that more than six of our listeners give a shit about. Tell us, Thomas, <laughs> what is perpetual presidential afterthought Rick Santorum up to these days? Yeah, well, okay, so Rick Santorum. So that it sounds like you're familiar with him. I wasn't sure if I needed – do I need to talk about you know who he is? <laughs> 
You can talk about the Google <laughs> definition if you'd like. Is the, so this this is someone you've you've covered before? I'm oh. just asking. I don't. Know. Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've covered Mr. We've Froggy. been covered in Santorum many. Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is great. So, well, uh, Rick Santorum, who I apparently you guys have met, uh, he he's uh, he's he's going to go into the film industry. Apparently, uh, it says here he's fired a warning shot across Hollywood's bows with proposals to build a new film distribution system in which faith-oriented movies are screened in churches rather than cinemas. So, I see. When Santorum's shooting something across your bow, it's hard not to take notice. <laughs> Said Norm flying uh, across left and right. You gotta. We've already got three anal lube jokes in there. I'm sure we're gonna get three or more before it's over. <laughs> you know, none of those occurred to me when I was preparing for this. <laughs> Don't worry. That's why we have Heath. So uh, yeah. And anyway, you were you were telling us Santorum's gonna be the biggest darn producer this town has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess there's uh, th- this uh, distribution company, Echo Light Studios, who do some. Ter- assuredly terrible religious movies and he thinks uh well instead of having people go to the devil's uh what was he referred to it as uh oh i had the quote oh the devil's playground hollywood is the devil's playground to him um so instead of having people go to the cinema to see movies he can have these you know wonderful church going uh white people just go into the church and and bring the the happy Jesus movies to them so they don't have to be exposed to to anything out in the outside world. And I think his next product is just an actual bubble that he's going to start selling <laughs> bubbles that you just live in. You put your your kids in at a young age and they just exist in there and you control everywhere it goes. Little yeah. bubble boy. Yeah, I I, I well okay so that's assuming that we accept his premise that these movies would not otherwise be direct to DVD releases, primarily purchased so a Christian man has a jewel case to keep his analog porn in. But it, it, it does seem like just part of this larger effort they hide it. To, to, to create this like complete parallel universe for Christians to raise their kids in. I, I mean, if your faith in Jesus can be shaken by the preview for Guardians of the Galaxy – you have to consider that maybe Jesus is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I have a similar problem because I remember some of my uh, religious family, you know, when we'd be watching a movie or something and like they don't like something that happens in a movie because it's like not quite with their religion. It's like, do you understand? There are other people in the world, right? Couldn't this just be a movie about other people that aren't <laughs> religious? I never understood that. You know, look, I'm an atheist. Uh, I, I, and as a skeptic, I guess I couldn't have watched like that. Uh, what was the movie where the chick used more than ten percent of her brain? Oh, I know, I could never watch. So, that like, I, I couldn't Lucy? watch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, 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 the skeptic in Scarlet me. I don't Joe, give a shit if it was the greatest movie in the world and she crushed people's head with her fucking vaginal walls. It wouldn't have mattered to me because that concept <laughs> was so stupid that I couldn't get behind it. So, I guess in a sense, I do see where the Christians are coming from. Uh, but only in a sense. <laughs> but uh, right. the thing about these Christian movies, a couple things. First of all, first of all, somehow they make a billion dollars. So this is a brilliant business move. Like they they make so much goddamn money, it's it's just sickening. And they have no budget. And right. uh, the other thing about these, as the great Bill Hicks said, the thing about these Christian you know movies and artists. God, do they suck? <laughs> they're just terrible. <laughs> they're, they're, they might be all holy and, and wholesome and everything, but they're just, I wouldn't want to expose my kids to shitty film. Like, that's, right. 
that's a far more greater threat. Like I, I would rather if I if I had kids and I don't yet, but I will someday. If they're watching some kids show that's like really good art, but it's like you know I don't know a kid is like jacking off a, a demon or something. I don't know what, <laughs> what kids show this is, but it's like really well done. You know the demon's character is like really deep and and just really realistic and. Yeah, no, and just the writing, like the kid's motivation. If that's good, I'm cool with it. But if it's like this fucking happy-go-lucky Jesus movie and it just sucks, like I'm right. just going to be – I don't care that it's Jesus. I'm going to be like, why are you watching this shit? This is going to ruin your mind. Yeah. It's bad filmmaking. If someone was jerking a demon during Pan's Labyrinth, like that would have been artistic no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would have fit right in. That might have happened in Pan's Labyrinth. There aren't <laughs> many movies that couldn't be made a little better by demon ejaculation, you know. <laughs> I just think it's not a smart move in general. To say, I mean, you don't want to expose your kids to a lot of things, but you definitely don't want to expose them to Eli Bosnick in the pew during the premiere of Passion <laughs> 2. Like, that's not going to work. I'm going to go with them. We're going to go on a gay date to that thing. Piss off a lot of people. All right. So uh, given we got plenty of Santorum material out there, let's go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock. Maybe Excellent. throw a little more in there. Ideas for the Christian movie studio. Go. Awesome, awesome. We like to help where we can. How about... Uh, Crucified green tomatoes. <laughs> um, Maybe. What about uh, Citizen Kane and Abel? Bro's blood. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, what? Am I supposed to think of you, one? You, you got, you, yeah, you, we got to help Rick Santorum out here, man. We don't want him getting back into <laughs> politics. Oh, uh, Passion of the Christ. Is that... Well, that's no, we're, that looking that works, for, we're looking for Christian versions Christian, of Yeah, non, Christian movie. Passion of the Christ. Not, non, Christian movie. Like so, but we're looking for like you know natural born again killers. So you just uh, uh, apocalypse. Uh, no, uh, uh, um, no, no, no. Let's see. No, no. You you can you can pass on round one if you'd prefer, sir. Stigmata. No. Um, uh... Ten Commandments. Okay, that's my edit. All that out. Ten Commandments. That's right. Right. <laughs> Heath, give him it a give him a. All right. So so we're we're looking for like. Pulpit friction, you know, so, yeah, something Santorum's yeah. often Fuck, how did you just it, you know? do that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Holy Ghostbusters. There you go. There you go. Weird observational science. All right, what about Sophie had no right to choose? <laughs> okay, I think I'm getting it. Yeah. Um, apocalypse now or, yeah, whenever. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. How about uh, the girl burning in hell for her dragon tattoo? <laughs> um, <laughs> What about, Original uh, Sin City 2. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done, sir. How about uh, Begatica? No, no, no. The Great Begatsby? Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Or uh, for the libertarians, Begatless Shrugged. Begatless Shrugged. <laughs> we got to throw him a bone once in a while. How about National Lampoon's Vacation Bible School? Which I would <laughs> totally fucking watch, actually. Okay, I got one. Scar Wrists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You said stigmata earlier. It's a callback, too. Nice to <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I got, I got one more, and I, I can't take credit for it myself. This one's Mitch Hurwitz. He's one of my favorite comedy writers of all time, Arrested Development, obviously. Embryo Dan, it could have been a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one more. Does this count? Die Hard. No? No, okay. Never mind. He's hard to kill. He just raises right, up again. I, all right. Never mind. The, the joke, uh, unfortunately, wasn't as, as hard to. How about. Um, all right. I'll close this off on a convoluted one. How about Jesus Christ Super Star Wars? The Empire Spikes Back. 
As soon as my brain catches up with that, I'm going to laugh at it. Awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> there it was. There it goes. All right. Well, Thomas, thanks for making our expert punnery look all the more impressive this week. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> I can make anyone look good. Of course, Heath and I will be back with a few more headlines in just a moment. But first, we're going to turn things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. Santorum! A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate race. It makes you a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey! I'm proud of a man! This week in Massachusetts. Well, it's been a hell of a week for misogyny. I have to admit, I'm equal parts terrified and flabbergasted that someone would go through the same effort it would take to Superman 3 a couple million dollars, all in the hopes of seeing celebrities naked against their will. But of course, for the assholes who did click on the ill-begotten pictures, don't worry about your immortal soul. Egyptian cleric Osama al-Kusi is here to say that you're all in the clear. In a controversial edict last week, the Salafist cleric said that it's okay to watch a woman in the shower as long as you intend to marry her. Notice there's no stipulation of where she has to intend to marry you, but anyway. He specifically stated in his online edict that you can, quote, hide and watch her in secret and see the things that she wouldn't usually let you see before marrying her. As long as your intentions are pure and you use enough hand lotion to keep the slapping sound to a minimum. End quote. Fucking pervert. But perhaps I'm taking this all the wrong way, gals. After all, there is one thing this week of stolen personal photographs has shown us. It's that the real victims of sexism are men. That's according to Sandy Rios, who said as much on her American Family Association radio program. She was remembering some poor girl who had been brainwashed into thinking that somehow modern culture mistreats women. She pointed out that since women make up the majority of college graduates, it's actually men who are being degraded. She backed it up by pointing out that her favorite color is orange and lobsters piss out of the opening in their faces, both of which have as much to do with men being degraded as which gender makes it through college more often, by the way. But as usual, if you really want the truth about what's holding women down, you have to turn to Fox and Friends, where a recent guest, Anne-Marie Merle, explained that the chief culprit in sexualizing and objectifying women is... You guessed it, feminism. She went on to explain that what women really want is to be what God designed them to be, sentient uteruses. And finally tonight, I want to dedicate this segment to a group of women that made me smile this week by killing people. According to a report in the Wall Street Journal, Iraqi Kurds have deployed a battalion of more than 550 female soldiers to stave off ISIS incursion. The use of female soldiers serves two purposes in the conflict. First, of course, is that half of the people that can fire a gun don't have testicles. But second, and far funnier, is the fact that this scares the shit out of the paternalistic douchebags they're fighting. Who, by the way, believe they can, can't get into heaven if they're killed by a woman. So apparently Allah will laugh at them and give them a wedgie or something before he condemns them to hell. That does it for this week of misogyny, but until we speak again, just remember that there are plenty of naked women on the internet who volunteered to be there. So don't be an asshole. It's time for the Atheist Calendar portion of the show. This is the monthly couple of minutes we set aside to keep you up to speed on all the great atheist, secular, and skeptical events going on around the country and around the world. And when I say around the world, I actually mean it this time. To reinforce that point, we're going to start in Zurich, Switzerland, where the Denkfest promises science, critical thinking, and intelligent entertainment. That's the 11th to the 14th of September, and based on their speaker list, they are not blowing smoke up your ass about the intelligent bit. I'll have to admit that I haven't heard of most of them, but their credentials look pretty damn good, and the one I have heard of is Richard Dawkins. Our next stop is in Oslo on the 
weekend of September 27th, where the Critical Mass Conference is bringing together a great slate of secular speakers, including notable Indian skeptic Sanal Adamaruku and some people with lines through the O's in their names. From there, we'll move 914 kilometers southwest to Amsterdam, where one of Earth's oldest skeptical organizations will be holding its annual Symposium Against Quackery. This year, they'll be focused on Eastern traditional medicine and welcome a list of speakers who look impressive even when you don't speak the language that their bios are written in. That's taking place on the 4th of October. We've also got a skeptic camp going on on the far-off land of Canada. This one's in Winnipeg. I happen to know that we've got at least a couple of listeners from that little-known corner of civilization. That's on the 27th of September. And speaking of Canada, we also have the non-con taking place on November 1st. Nate Phelps, the atheist son of the late Hall of Fame bigot Fred Phelps, is leading a solid list of speakers and promises it to be a hell of a time right before it gets too fucking cold to go to Toronto. Turns out that there are also skeptics in Hungary. If you're skeptical of that claim, you can check for yourself on the 15th of November at the 20th Annual National Skeptics Conference in a city that I'm not going to even bother to butcher the pronunciation of. It starts with an SZ and has an accent mark over almost every letter. If you want to try to pronounce it for yourself or you just want more information on any of the events that we've discussed, you'll find links to the homepages for all of them on the show notes for this episode at scathingatheist.com. And continuing with headlines tonight, and once more with evil news, radical cleric and main bad guy from a Michael Bay movie, Anjum Ch- Ch- Chowdhury, stunned the Chowder. CNN talking head last week by making a distasteful joke amid his lifelong tirade in favor of worldwide Muslim theocracy. When asked to count to 10 during a pre-interview sound check, Chowdhury elected, that's probably how it's pronounced. So I probably, I probably have that right. Chowdhury elected to break <laughs> with convention and list his favorite numbers, which happen to correspond with the dates of infamous terrorist attacks, like 9-11, for example. What when confronted about this later on the air, Chowdhury said, quote, if you had a sense of humor, you would have laughed at that, end quote. <laughs> sound test, check, one, two, Guantanamo, Guantanamo, Gitmo. Do not make us get the wet erase board. <laughs> know what happens when I we get the I just love the idea of board. a radical Muslim cleric lecturing someone else on a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> they were cartoons, you fucking asshole. Afghanistan animation. And in closing the mind news, Rick Wiles said on his radio show, True News, with a TRU, that he won't be able to say things on the radio anymore. Nor will he say things on his new radio show, which will begin airing shortly. At least he won't be distributing any news or information any longer. Well, that's <laughs> apparently that's what he's been doing right. this whole time. <laughs> For example, if you want to hear the factual information about how Obama is a, quote, communist traitor who is openly helping jihadists, end quote, you won't hear it from Wiles anymore. No. And the reasoning goes like this. America has checked out of reality and therefore... What they need now clearly is not news and information. <laughs> they need some Bible radio to fix the checking out of I guess those two things reality. do kind of match oh. up in a sense. Now, yeah. a lot of uh, – I guess there's just a lot of competition now in the frothingly insane Christian bigotry radio market. You got to – you got to work hard. Uh, Santorum in there with the frothy. Yeah. And in the CompuServant of God file tonight, a grand ayatollah in Iran has declared a fatwa against high-speed internet, which is set to expire as soon as the Iranian government is done filtering all the shit like this show out of their high-speed internet. <laughs> you, you get, no. you see how that okay, I see where they're going. This might make it a little more difficult, but dudes are still going to watch porn. Right, and that's you're not going to stop, obviously. I grew up on dial-up CompuServe. I can jerk it to a tiny stripe on a girl's upper forehead. <laughs> <your hairline. laughs> we will find a way. 
Why did they always rarely, rarely made it to the chest? And in Play 69 News, Brian Fisher realized that overweight lesbians exist. Therefore, Michelle Obama could end America's obesity problem by getting young girls to exercise at least an hour a day with a penis. <laughs> Quote, if Michelle Obama really cares about obesity, she should be out there leading the charge against normalizing lesbianism. Her slogan ought to be, fight obesity, go straight. End quote. That's all shit he really said. <laughs> he really wow. Said that stuff. That yes. fucking guy. It's like Brian Fisher has become the operatic fat lady of our headline segment, which <laughs> I guess means that we can close on that disturbingly homophobic little slur there. He thanks, as always. <laughs> Lay off those fat lesbians, dude. Yes, I like sir. to eat food and pussy, too. Right, exactly. Same page. I, I get them. And when we come yeah. back, we'll finally get around to fucking with the fat guy in the red hat on you. Jeremiah? What a guy. You know the child of Hilkiah, prophesied about the profiteering prophets, priests, and friars? He tells the Jews who choose abuse to do is about the freedom in the land they'll lose for refusing Elohim and passing children through the fire. Yeah, Jeremiah had a squire. They called him uh, Baruch ben Neriah. He wrote the rotten writ that's written in his bloated, nutty flyer. Indeed, each screed that he decreed was saved in case we ever need to read about how all he prophesied would never quite transpire. That village crier said desire would cause the Jewish land to die, for so in love with foreign gods they fell, invoking Yahweh's ire. And then he traces how the races all embrace their damn high places, and he faces quite a backlash from the Jewish king Josiah. They asked him why you gotta cry about the poles that we built higher. We bet you're bitter and your butt hurt because they busted your supplier. But if self-assured, he took the word of God to each town undeterred, and as they heard it, he incurred the reputation of pariah. Hananiah was inspired. He said a vision he'd acquired. The statues of the statues that condemned their statues had expired. The bloke then broke a yoke to stoke Jeremiah, who, when thus provoked, had the good Lord smoke that fool until he was forcefully retired. So King Josiah grew quite tired of this asshole Jeremiah, wanted once to wring his neck, as did the next king Zedekiah. But neither king did anything to stop the Lord from tantruming and bringing all his wrath, thus scorching Judah like a pyre. So who's Jeremiah? Why inquire? He's just some normal guy. You see, just ask us. There's Damascus. God didn't burn it from the sky. You said he'll rock a rock and stock it full of swinging dragon cock. Come on, this crock of shit's been used to justify the damn Messiah. Well, we know what Jeremiah via Baruch ben Neriah supports reports that his report with God was only in his mind, or at the very least a diagnosis that presupposes some neurosis. I mean, the closest to the truth he gets is saying prophets are all liars. Checkmate atheists has become something of an in-joke in secular memedom. Offered as a postscript to so many Down syndrome chimpanzee-level arguments, it's simply come to represent the droolingly stupid apologetics we non-believers so frequently encounter. But as we continuously learn, even the dumbest argument for God still needs to be refuted from time to time, so armed with a fully automatic brain trained at a barrel that far too many fish are willing to voluntarily hop into, Heath Enright stands poised to face the challenges of the mentally challenged. <laughs> All right, opening salvo. Uh, Occam's razor, baby cancer, shit porn, Yahtzee theist. That takes care of most of them right there. Now, our first challenge tonight comes with a financial reward, as fictitious as the god it's meant to justify. YouTube personality and fat guy in a red hat, Joshua Forstein, or was it Steen or Stein? I think it was Stein. <laughs> Forstein has offered a 100... hundred. fat. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, he also doesn't have $100,000 that he's offering to anybody who can disprove the existence of God. After spending several minutes using random words he clearly doesn't understand and a laudable effort to communicate without sentence structure, he finally never actually gets around to his challenge. <laughs> nope. He's like that stupid kid that signed up for a philosophy class way too hard for him, but still insists on trying to talk during lectures. Right. If we were to examine the totality of the atheist dichotomy paradigm, schema gestalt, <laughs> anathema, <Right>. obsequious... <laughs> have you seen my drawing of a boob? How could, how could the nipple not naturally assume that the areola was created by... Even the places without Jesus are against murder. Wait, wait, wait shit, that hurts my point. Right. Just steaming by the time the professor has to explain delicately. Maybe the uh, the theology department would be good for <laughs> right. a failed philosophy student. That Holy would be perfect, shit, it? that thing was difficult. Now, what it seemed like he was going to say before he got distracted by atheist murderers and Polish sausage was something along the lines of, you can't prove there's no God, therefore there's a God. Would you care to earn your share of Forstein's IOUs? Ditka. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, besides the fact that this logic he's using proves the existence of everything that has and has not existed ever, right. uh, this guy seems to think it's our job to prove that nothing's not there. I mean, if I can't produce Bane in handcuffs, it doesn't mean Batman's <laughs> alive and real. That's... Asinine. So, Josh, we at the Scathing Atheist would like to add to your challenge. So we're going to go donate uh, twenty billion, billion, billion dollars to supplement the hundred grand that you're offering. That's twenty octillion dollars, or a two with twenty-eight zeros after it, to anyone who can prove that God doesn't exist. Also, unicorns. Anything also, has. yeah, all other things. So twenty octillion <laughs> and a hundred thousand to the first person who can prove a thing doesn't exist. And by the way, if you watch the video with the sound off of Fat Guy in Red Hat, it's a pretty entertaining three minutes of a dude with an enormous head who did not choose wisely no. with that red hat, <laughs> trying to squeeze into the camera shot at the same time as an entire <laughs> piece of paper with a boob drawing, which is very difficult for him. You put on Dark Side, it's like watching the lollipop <laughs> trying to crowd into a company photo. <laughs> Fucking fun. All right, next up, former celebrity Kirk Cameron is following in the footsteps of Ernest Elmo Kiss and Cindy Lou Who in an effort to save Christmas in a new film inventively titled Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. It is. In a world, in a time, in a land where Christmas was almost dead and only one man could save it, enter that shitty kid from Growing Pains, fresh from a four-day PBR binge, Wielding a candy cane menacingly as he lovingly clutches a nativity scene to his breast. Explosions. <laughs> presents everywhere. Now, as if the film's tagline, putting Christ back into Christmas, isn't clear enough, Cameron explains in a press release that this film is about, quote, putting Christ back into Christmas, end quote. He went on to explain that, quote, for too many years, Christmas has been attacked and hammered by those outside the church, end quote. Hammered, really? Cr it makes it easy. Christ, Matt. Oh, Christmas. Yeah, that's Christmas. the one. It's been so long since I heard anybody ever say that. It was removed from public discourse. Now, is it, it's not like the Jews are complaining we took the out of Hanukkah by saying happy holidays. I mean, we're just saying that the celebration of the incorrect birthday of a disputed historical figure should have about as much to do with public policy as Ramadan, which right. would be zero. Exactly. 
But in Cameron's defense, commercially, this country only devotes about nine calendar months to the Christmas celebration. And in 2013, we barely spent $500 billion on it as a nation. Now, isn't this evidence that we're pretty much done with the whole Jesus thing in America? <laughs> Except maybe for the fact that Christmas is the only religious holiday for which we have an unconstitutional government shutdown every year. Right. And, like you said, the nine-month celebration and the half-trillion thing. Yeah. Other than that, yeah. Other than that. Pretty much done with Jesus. Yep. And the decorations that are washing our hands of that guy. And finally, poor man's Kirk Cameron, Kevin Sorbo, wants in on the challenging atheist's <laughs> action. He took time out of his busy schedule of promoting a geriatric Hercules reboot and sending extraordinarily racist tweets last week to point out that if atheists really didn't believe in God, they wouldn't be angry at him. I'm sorry, perhaps we weren't being clear. The pipe isn't the problem, it's the dumbass dreamer. Right. We're not mad at Yoda, we're mad at the idiot fanboys that want to divert tax money to fund Jedi research. <laughs> Cut that shit out. Now, you may remember Sorbo as the male Xena of 90s syndicated television pseudo-fame, or perhaps as the uncredited security guard from Paranormal Movie. The latest effort to hit the snooze button on a long-gone 15 minutes of fame is ingratiating himself with the Christian audiences by being an uninformed dick. On Rick Wiles' radio show, he said, quote, I feel sorry for atheists, but then I kind of laugh at them. Why would anybody spend so much time ranting and raving about something they didn't believe in? Again, religion would be fine with us if it weren't for the people. <laughs> people. You're all... You don't hear scientists complaining... Fucking God keeps blocking our shit. No, they're saying yeah. fucking religious idiots keep blocking extremely valuable funding to us. We're only the embodiment of human progress on the planet. No big deal. Don't. Yeah, well, you could do it without us. As long as you have your fucking prayer. But also, if we did decide to rant and rave about the thing we didn't believe in, it might have something to do with him being a bad guy in a terrible book, yet somehow <laughs> tricking generations of people into rape, genocide, bigotry, and general suspension of logic. That's. I'm just. All right, all right. Could well, be. maybe you've shown that you can match wits with the intellectual prowess of the Sorbs. But Rick Wiles chimed in on this, too, agreeing profusely and saying, quote, The truth is that atheists know that God exists and they hate him. That's what it's all about, end quote. So are you going to tell me that Rick Wiles is also bubbling with bullshit? Come on. <laughs> Look, insofar as you can hate a fictional character... Uh, we're perfectly in the right to hate God. God allows horrific shit to happen. I mean, uh, for example, puppy rape exists, I'm sure. I mean, hopefully only a tiny little bit, but I mean, we're talking about a deity that could nail a guy with brimstone the instant he starts to rape a puppy, but, you know, as far as we know, always chooses not to. Right, right. I mean, look, I hate Jar Jar Binks, and he never raped any puppies or allowed puppies to be raped on his watch. He just he just ruined a trilogy that already was probably going to suck. I mean, so, yeah, sounds justified to me. Yeah, God even let a puppy rapist take Tim Tebow's position as backup quarterback to the Jets. <laughs> it's probably hate-worthy all by itself. And those guys, by the way, they're both left-handed. Isn't that interesting? Weird. Although there is ample evidence to believe Tim Tebow is actually right-handed, if I'm just guessing. <laughs> Fuck that one up. Well, now that you mentioned it, I mean, a, a Tebow reference all by itself disproves the Christian God right there. So, uh, looks like you have successfully wriggled out of their faux Philidor positions once again, Heath. Well done. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Until next time. 
time for the part of the show that comes next, listener feedback. This is the part of the show that starts at the end of this sentence. Our first email this week comes from DeMarco in Dallas. He wrote us to say, quote, Noah, sorry for the huge shit I'm going to take on the field this week. I know you were counting on me for victory, but I have two <laughs> settings, suck and injured, and you're likely to see both of them on Sunday as, as Heath marches past you to a 1-0 start to his fantasy season, end quote. Yes, I, I believe Monty Ball and Andre Ellington were CC'd on that email in case they had to pick up some of the slack, <laughs> so I think I'll be all right. And we also got an email from Jeff asking if we keep the fantasy football talk to a minimum as a... Non-fantasy playing, non-sport watching, non-American. He doesn't give a shit to the third power about any of this, so uh, don't worry, Jeff. I'm hard at work demoralizing Noah to the point where the last thing he'll want to do is talk about his fantasy team. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we also got a, a, an email from Trent, who would really like to fuck my wife, apparently. <laughs> no, it's a really smoothly worded proposal and everything, but uh, yeah, get in line, asshole. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I am... Absolutely selling Trent's email short because it was actually really complimentary and he said a lot of nice stuff about the show and everything. And the bit about fucking my wife was presented as a playful little prodding at the end or whatever. But just as a general rule, not the most polite way to end an email Just in the yeah, future. I, I don't want you playfully prodding my wife in the end either. Yeah, exactly. yeah right? And if you really want to fuck a dude's wife, just come out and start the email with the offer. Like, right, don't he be didn't a baby. even offer the million bucks. Nothing. <laughs> Moving on, we got several responses to Noah's call for a magic Catholic Jesus cracker. So, for the record, yes, he was serious. I was. So, if you can obtain one in a way that only breaks Catholic laws, by all means, we'll take multiple Jesus crackers if we can get them. So, if you got a guy, you know, check the contact page and email me or Noah, and we'll work something out. Yeah, yeah. What I've, de- I've decided what I'm going to do is, if I get more than one, I'm going to hold them hostage and put little bags over their heads or whatever, and I'll tell the Pope that I'm going to grind <laughs> one cracker into powder every week until he releases all the priests currently wanted for child molestation for extradition to whatever weird fucked up country is asking for them. <laughs> right, so don't forget, everybody, they have to be consecrated. Yes, absolutely. you got to have the, the real Wonka Jesus inside or whatever they do, or else... The threats would be empty. We'll, right. We'll look like idiots. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want no. that. And finally tonight, we got a really positive uh, response to my ALS Ice Bucket Challenge video this week. Friend of the show, Eli Bosnick, challenged me to the whole dump ice on your head for charity deal a week or so ago. And I support the whole campaign wholeheartedly, but I figured they'd raised so much money already for ALS research. It was time to get some other stuff in on the challenge. So I decided to raise a little bit of money for Planned Parenthood by dumping a bucket of aborted fetuses over my head. Yeah. <laughs> what the it was hard to get them in South Georgia. You'd be surprised. And apparently, he didn't just do one take. No. He had a second take with a really awkward pitchfork cleanup in between. <laughs> yeah, and more ice water. Yeah, it was rough. I had to wait for my hair to dry and everything. Anyway, a couple of people were interested in taking our new two-bucket challenge, but they didn't want to just do aborted fetuses, because even if that would eventually get boring, plus... The five-second rule doesn't count if you're outdoors, and that's a waste of good aborted fetus. That should be the new definition of when life begins. If you drop them and they survive the five-second rule, <laughs> there you, go. That you have to keep the kid. That's just, I think, a good standard for it. You know what? That would actually make more sense than the way they're trying to define it, so sure, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. And now that I've smoothly segued back to buckets of aborted fetuses, just so you all know, we figured why not devote a top ten to it. So here's yeah, our top yeah. ten other things you can dump a bucket full over your head for charity. Go. All right. Number ten. Uh, how about a bucket of adolescent sperm for godly responses to abuse in a church environment or grace? <laughs> They're doing good work. Ew. Weird collection process. All right. Number nine. What about the uh, 
What about a bucket of feathers and a bucket of tar for skip me this round? <laughs> Probably that's for the best. Um, number eight, an empty bucket for homeopathic ALS research. <laughs> number seven, maybe they could try buckets of mercury to cure autism. I like Everybody. it. I like it. I like the idea of those people dumping mercury on their heads. Uh, number six, you could do menstrual blood for women's rights. <laughs> Again, awkward collection process, but you know. Okay, number five. What about a, a bucket of foreskins for penis rice? <laughs> Even more awkward. <laughs> uh, number four, how about a bucket of, um, you know what? Fuck that. We will find a different way to fund the traveling Maplethorpe exhibit. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> It doesn't matter what's in the bucket, as long as there's two girls involved, it'll <laughs> definitely be entertaining. It'll make some money anyway. Uh, how about number two, the urine of 14-year-old girls for the R. Kelly Defense Fund? <laughs> Slightly out of date joke. But... So sure you were going to say M-word awareness. <laughs> M-word, not N-word. No, yeah, M-word. He's not a racist. <laughs> and the number one charity bucket dumping campaign idea. Um... What about some uh, something for the AARP? Uh, a bucket of lists of regrets, something like that. <laughs> Way to end it on that. an upbeat, bro. That's showbiz that's for you right there. <laughs> and that's all the feedback you get. If you want more, keep sending us those emails, tweets, Facebook messages, etc. You'll find all the contact info on the contact page at skatingatheist.com. Before we cast off into the starry blue yonder tonight, I wanted to wish Heath a happy belated birthday, which I somehow completely neglected to do last week. He just turned like a third of a century less four months, so be sure to send him a shitload of really late birthday tweets if you have a chance. I also want to remind everybody that supports us on Patreon.com that over the weekend I dropped all ten of the original songs that we featured on this show as downloadable MP3s, so if you haven't downloaded them and you'd care to, they're there for you. And of course, if you really want the whole album worth of sing-along songs for the damn... It would be just one of the many bonuses you can pick up by making a per-episode donation to the show at patreon.com slash scathingatheist. There's different bonuses at different donation levels, so be sure to check that out and uh, see what all we've got for you. Of course, we can't shut it down without thanking Heath once again for all his efforts to make the world a more vulgar place. I need to thank Lucinda for everything she does for the show, up to and including inspiring random listeners to tell me they want to fuck her. I need to thank Thomas for helping us out with the headlines this week. You can check him out on Atheistically Speaking or Thomas and the Bible, both of which you'll find linked on the show notes for this episode at scathingatheist.com. Obviously, I also need to thank James from the Unbearable Podcast for providing this week's homoerotic Farnsworth quote. Obviously, you'll find his podcast linked on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's best people, Drew, Tor, Elsa, Sarah, Paula, Yaroslav, Some Guy, Ronald, Stephen, Eric, Philip, and Joseph. Drew, Tor, and Elsa, who are so sexy hackers would steal pictures of them fully dressed. Sarah, Paul, and Yaroslav, whose ninjutsu is feared by aliens, pirates, and alien pirates alike. Some Guy, Ronald, and Stephen, whose climate-altering ejaculations were the reason they had to enhance the Fujita scale in the first place. And Eric, Philip, and Joseph, whose erections could be used to make slight trajectory corrections for the Voyager spacecraft. Together, these 12 tremendous treasures have tried to keep religions twaddling twerps and twats twisting in their twittery this week by giving us money. Giving us money is bold, noble, and sexually satisfying, and if you don't give us money, the terrorists win. So if you'd like to help keep the world safe from terrorists and sexually frustrated atheists, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help us out but you spend all your money betting on my fantasy football team, first of all, good call, but secondly, you can also help us a ton by taking a minute 
minute to leave us a review on iTunes or 19 minutes to leave us a review on Stitcher. I hear they're working to make that easier, but whatever. We always appreciate the hell out of those reviews, especially when they're good. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I did have my permission. Illusions. I'm Heath Enright, and from the city that never sleeps, New York, New York. Yeah, that never one that wakes. <laughs> Shit, fuck, I'm too tired for this. He's <laughs> Shit. Oh, damn it. How am I going to stay up to edit this? I guess we're going to actually have to do that again. I apologize. I completely lost it there. But that, that'll make for a great outtake. <laughs>